0: If you have made a decision, uh, a life decision at some point in your life um, to follow after Jesus, what is it that brought you to the point of making that decision? What is it that happened or that you experienced that brought you to the place of deciding that this life of faith is something that you wanted to be a part of? And, and I don't just mean what kind of influences were there, but but what is it that that was happening or that you experienced, what's stirring in your soul? I want to propose this morning that the reason you and I have made this decision decision to journey with the church is because deep inside of each of us is is a longing. The deep inside of it, each of us is this. This desire, this hope, this, this longing, this need to be loved, to be known, to be deeply connected with something greater than ourselves. Now maybe as you thought about your motivation, something else came to mind. Some other reason why this is happening. But I suspect, and, and I'm willing to even go out on a limb and say, that I feel like if you were to dig down under what it is that initially comes to mind, that you would find that there is, there was in you this stirring, this longing, this, this hope, this deep desire that, that was almost unexplainable that pushed you to land in this pursuit with us, with the church, in walking forward towards Jesus. That this longing was somehow fulfilled or satisfied or seemed like it could be satisfied in Jesus and his church. A decade or more ago, I was handed a book by one of my best friends. Um, And I picked it up when he gave it to me because the title sounded really exciting. And I read a few pages or a few chapters. I don't even remember how far I got, but I couldn't get any traction. And eventually I just put it back on the shelf and turned away from it. And a few years later, for some reason, it was stirred up again, so I picked up the book again, deciding this second time that I was going to read through it, and again, I didn't get anywhere in it. Um, For some reason, it wasn't happening. I couldn't move forward, so once again, I I laid it aside on the shelf. And then a couple of years ago, I was leading a small group here at Valley, um, a small group of leaders, and we were meeting together and... One of the other things that we were reading through referred to this book, a book by Ruth Haley Barton, called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And when it got referred to again, I picked it up a third time, and the third time that I picked up the book, I devoured it. I tore through it quickly, couldn't get enough of what was there and what was happening. Somehow, that third time when I read it, I was ready. I was ready for what it had to say. I was ready for what was in there. Maybe there was something new that was happening in me. Maybe I was ready in new ways. Maybe, I I, I don't exactly know what it was. I just know that something changed. I know that as I read it, that this book that third time spoke to a longing that I recognized in my soul. And it was a longing that somehow I had forgotten. It spoke to a hope. In me That I had all but overlooked and walked away from All but given up on The book spoke to the kind of leader I wanted to be As a pastor, as a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, as a member of the community But more than that, it spoke to the kind of Christian that I wanted to be The kind of follower of Jesus that I believed that I was called to be And that I wanted to live into The book kick-started a journey for me Actually, it kickstarted a journey that I had been on for a long time, but somehow I'd gotten lost or distracted or forgotten where it was that I was going or what it was that I was supposed to be doing or wanted to do. It kickstarted a journey for me that is far from finished. In fact, in a lot of ways, I feel like I've had to take several steps backwards to start all over again. This time with some greater clarity and some greater understanding and some greater direction of of where I'm going, of what I want to do, of who it is that I'm called to be. And it's a journey, honestly, that you made possible. Because you've allowed me the privilege over the last two plus years to make nine different trips to Chicago. To go and be a part of a learning cohort with about a hundred other folks with the author of this book. And going and sitting together with Ruth and allowing her to, to share with us some of her insights, some of her own journey, some of her own life experience. She has encouraged us to pursue a deep strength of soul that if I've ever known it before in my faith journey, it's been so long ago that I don't remember it. And through her understandings of Jesus and her helping me understand both Jesus and Jesus' desires for me, I believe that I have become and am becoming a much better man than I was when I began this journey. Through faith practices that she taught us and then encouraged us to go away and practice Something has come alive in me, something that I stopped nurturing at some point in my life Because I thought about that, it, it made me think of a, of a plant Actually, a as I wrote it, a specific plant that actually is in our house The, the kind of plant that you have in your house, but for some reason or another, you forget to give it any of the things that it needs. Um, most specifically in our situation, it's water. Thankfully, it's one of these miracle plants that never actually dies. It just kind of hangs on for a really long time in the corner. But with no water, eventually we look at it and go, oh, what's happening to the plant? Because it's shriveled and it's withered and it's turning brown and it's beginning to die. And yet somehow it's still there, still somehow alive, not yet fully gone. And I feel like that's some of what I had begun to experience in my own soul and in my own journey of faith. Not, not so much that I'd intentionally stopped watering, but, but just, just forgotten, just, just looked away, just not noticed, just thought it could somehow fend for itself. In this book, I feel like Barton speaks to the soul in a very similar way as we think about that plant or talk about that plant. She says this. She says that your soul is the part of you that is most real. The very essence of you that God knew before he brought you forth in physical form. I think you have a slide that has this on it. It's easier for you if you can read it and listen to it. Except I forgot where I was. The part that will exist after your body goes into the ground. This is the you that exists beyond any role you play, any job you perform, any relationship that seems to define you, or any notoriety or success you may have achieved. It is the part of you that longs for more of God than you have right now. The part that may, even now, be aware of missing God. Amid the challenges of life, inside each of us is a soul that was created with a deep longing for God. And it's possible that you, like me, have lost sight of your soul, of your soul's longing, of your soul's needs. That, like the plant that I mentioned, you've either pushed it into the corner and looked away or just forgotten to look to it, to tend it, to care for it. And maybe it's possible, maybe you recognize in yourself that your own soul has in some way shriveled up, begun to suffer, is desperate for longing for something, for something new, for something different. And yet at the same time, something that I think is significant as we talk about us and us being here is the reality that even if this is true, you are still here. You are still here and you're still present, so there, there's some kind of work, some kind of, of effort, some kind of understanding, maybe just a faint sense of this longing or this need in your soul for something so, so so, maybe it's possible that, that you haven't completely abandoned it, but that you've begun to ask a question around this whole journey of faith, around this whole experience with the church. A really, really significant question that sometimes many of us never get to, but I think more of us should. Is this it? Is this all that there is? I, I really thought there would be more to it than this. So this morning, whether you feel like perhaps you've lost your soul, or that you're hoping for more, looking for more, Or if those things don't correlate at all and you feel like you're doing great on your faith journey, whatever it is, let me speak to you some words this morning that I hope will be encouraging. There is more. There is more. There's always more. No matter where we are or what our journey in faith has been to this point, there is always more. Because you and me were created to exist in a deep and intimate relationship with God. And with care... This relationship will continue to grow deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more and more intimate. No matter how far ahead we are on the journey or how far behind we are or how much we feel lost or how deep this longing is in us and we're just not sure what to do with it. No no matter where we are, there is always this ability to pursue, to, to, to walk deeper and deeper and further and further into more and more intimate relationship with God. And the good news is you don't have to go to Chicago to find it. Apparently I did, but you don't have to. Because what it is that our soul is really longing for, what it is that our soul really needs, is for you and me to be willing to spend time in the presence of God. We need, we were created to need from the very beginning, time in the presence of God. And when we take that time, when we allow that time, when we make that time, it stirs deep transformation in our souls. Deep transformation that only the Holy Spirit can do, but our willingness to be present and available and, and there allows this transformation to begin to take place. It's what Jesus called new creation, that Jesus wanted to make of us a new creation if we're willing for present. If we allow him to do so Spiritual transformation is the longing of our souls It's this hope that is down deep inside of us Ruth Haley Barton defines it this way She says spiritual transformation is the process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God For the abundance of our own lives and for the sake of others This is the hope That is inside of us, this longing, this desire to be known, to be loved, to be valued, to be of value, transformation, this strength of soul that we hope for, that we look to, that we're going to talk about, is not an elective practice. And I fear that so many of us in the life of the church has decided that it is. That this idea of spiritual transformation, that this idea of, of going deeper, of growing more and more deeply connected with Jesus is this elective practice that we can choose to participate in or not participate in. But I want you to hear that I believe this transformation is essential to our faith. It's necessary to our goals as a church. This is the call to discipleship. And discipleship is not, contrary to the belief of many, some kind of extra credit Christianity, some kind of thing that only the elite do some kind of experience with God that only a few get to participate in that only that only pastors enjoy or missionaries are a part of or or elders or deacons or whatever body that it might be. This is not the Navy SEALs of what it means to follow after Jesus. This is at the very core of who we're called to be as Christ followers. This is the root, the essence, the foundation of what it means for you and me to be Jesus people. Is that we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, that we're deeply connected with Christ, that we are being transformed into something new. So over the next several weeks, we're going to spend time looking at and talking about the state of our souls. We am going to spend time talking about what it means for us to pursue a strength of soul. And Ruth's book and my own journey and the impact that they've had on me are kind of the inspiration for us having this conversation. But really the source of what we'll be looking at and the source of all of this comes from the Old Testament story of Moses. So we're going to look to Moses and Moses' story and Moses' experience in life and in leadership and in journeying forward in faith. And Ruth's book will help add some insight for us and some teachings and some support underneath it. But I'm not going to just sit here and read her book, although I may quote from it several times over the next several weeks. But I'm not going to just read the book. You should. I highly encourage it. But we're going to look to Moses' life and we're going to talk about what Moses has done and look at Moses as a model for us. Because Moses is this really incredible example of what it means to walk the ups and downs of faithfulness. As Moses made his own journey, there were really great days and there were really, really difficult days. And one of the most important reasons that we look to Moses as an example for how we do this is that seemingly a core, a foundational aspect of his ability to lead as well as he did, to walk forward in faith the way that he did... Is the significance of his private encounters with God. From a really, really traumatic and rocky start. To a difficult and some might even call it a failed ending in Moses' life. We see that over and over and over again he went back into the presence of God. He pursued these personal times with God. He repeatedly went to the mountain. So that he could be alone in the presence of God. And this is the kind of people that I think we are called to be. Aaron and Miriam, you may or may not know much about Moses' story, but Aaron and Miriam, who were mentioned in the passage that we read, are Moses' siblings, his brother and his sister. They were also his partners in leadership. They were called out together to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, towards the promised land. Now, in the story that we read, we see Moses often as the focus, but there's also this evidence that this was a work that required all three of them. It was it was not ever only about Moses. Miriam's role was vital. Aaron's role was vital and significant. It needed all three of them to be a part of what was happening. That's the way God designed it to be and created it to be. So we watch as we read through their journey and their story of what's happening. And now as we get to Numbers 12, the passage that we read, we find there's a leadership conflict going on. These these key leaders, the three who'd been asked to do this work, were in conflict with one another. Aaron and Miriam had become critical of the decisions that Moses was making. And most specifically in this passage, they don't think much about the wife that he's chosen, especially the race that she is. There's a racial issue going on here. Again, that's something we're not going to spend a ton of time on today, but but we need to know that that's what's happening and that matters and that we see evidence of that throughout the Scriptures and God trying to work to reconcile and redeem those things. But they weren't happy about who she was and the race that she was from. So they're having this debate, and the passage tells us that God called them aside. I like that the translation that we read puts an exclamation point on, uh, hey, you three, to the tabernacle. I feel like I've heard that many, many times from my father. We didn't go to the tabernacle, but like I read that going, oh yeah, I've been there before. And he called them to this place so that in private he could work out what was going on between them. And when he did so, God made it clear what it was that was significant about Moses and who Moses was. Not just among them and the three of them, but in connection with any and every prophet that existed both before and after he spoke to the reality of when there are prophets, this is how I speak to them. But there's something different about this one. There's something unique about Moses and who Moses is. And in verses 7 and 8, we find that it says, of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. God and Moses spoke face to face. What we find is true over and over again in Moses' life is that Moses sought out God and that God honored Moses' desires. God honored Moses' efforts to be with him by offering him a uniquely beautiful and connected relationship. Now, I don't think it's because for some reason Moses was his favorite. For some reason, he just liked Moses better than everyone else, so he did for Moses what what wasn't available to anyone else that was going on. I really do think it was an honoring, a response out of Moses' willingness to continue to come, to continue to be faithful, to continue to seek out God. Yes, God selected Moses. He called him out, and he did this these extraordinary things that we see over and over again in Moses' life. There was something special happening here, but what we also find is true over and over and over again that I think helped instigate this is that. Moses was faithful in going to seek out God. In her book, Barton says it this way. He did not seem to have any great strategies for leadership except to seek God in solitude and then carry out what God revealed to him there. Moses was called out but he didn 't just take off and run with this on his own and decide where he was going and make all his own decisions over and over again. We watch as Moses sought out the wisdom of God as Moses looked for direction from God. Moses had a sight set on, set on God and god 's will and what it was that God wanted to do, and I think we find that God honored that. Moses was open, he was willing, he was intentional. We see this continual longing in him for intimate interactions with God. Repeatedly, as we read Moses' story, we find him seeking out opportunities for silence and solitude. Moments to be face to face with God. And what I think that we are supposed to believe is true... And what I think actually is true Is that this same Type of relationship Is available to us That this kind of Connection with God This type of face to face God This type of intimacy and connection If we are willing to be in the presence of God This is what will fulfill the longing of our soul Is if you and I Nurture opportunities to be face to face With God Now Now if, if I am worth anything in being your pastor, you are already recognizing that it feels like we've talked about this before. Because it isn't the first time that we've talked about this over the last year. It isn't even the first time we've talked about this in 2020. This is how how significant this is. This is how vital this is to our journey forward in faith. Is that we be a people who are willing to be in the presence of God over and over and over again as frequently, as often, as regularly as possible. Us becoming transformed people means that we have to be a people intimately connected with Jesus and his ways. So the encouragement is that we would join Moses in a desire and a willingness to seek out God and God's will for our life. And then that we would obediently walk forward in what it is that God has shown us about what we're called to do and who we're called to be and where we're called to go. And as I think about that, it seems really simple, right? Go to God, listen to God, do what God called you to do. But if you've ever practiced that Then you know It's it's not simple It requires Incredible commitment Unbelievable faithfulness Courage that we don't imagine Is possible for us And yet it is This Being in the presence of God Is necessary For our souls Flourishing This being in the presence of God is vital if you or I are ever going to experience the transformation that we've been created for. It's mandatory for people actually journeying with Jesus. This is what it means. This is what it looks like. Sorry, I need to call a brief timeout. I feel like I'm right in the middle of this. But Callie, you need to take this, please. Go outside and take that, please. Sorry. There's a a poem that's in the book um, that I want to read this morning um, because of the ways in which it uh, resonates uh, with me and my journey and what I've experienced, and and I wonder if the same will be true uh, for you. Listen as I read. It says, Holy One. There's something I wanted to tell you. But there have been errands to run, bills to pay, arrangements to make, meetings to attend, friends to entertain, washing to do. And I forget what it is I wanted to say to you. And mostly, I forget what I'm about or why. Oh God... Don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father in heaven, perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to ask is forgive me, heal me, increase my courage, please. Renew in me a little of love and faith and a sense of confidence. And a vision of what it might mean to live as though you were real. And I mattered. And everyone was sister and brother. What I wanted to ask in my blundering way is don't give up on me. Don't become too sad about me. But laugh with me. And try again with me. And I will with you too. As we look into the state of our own soul and this calling to be deeply connected with Jesus, it is my hope that you will take time to look, to reflect, to look for the plant, to find how it's doing, and to give it food that it needs to flourish and to grow. And this will be our conversation for the next several weeks as we spend time in this series together. There's also just so you know Aaron, there's several small groups that, lead, that happen, and all of them, we encourage you to pick one and be a part of. Um, but one of them will be that Aaron will lead in continuing some conversation about what's happening around this. And uh, if you're not a part of a small group, it's kind of a great entry point um, for you to, to be around something uh, something new um, that, that is connected to what's happening in this. Um, also, any week you can or can't be there, there's that. Um, but one of the things that they're going to do this morning is they're going to look at an assessment Um some pondering how it is with their own souls. And if you're not a part of that group, but you're interested in that assessment, um, it's in Ruth's book. It's also on their website, which is the transforming org, I think. Um, or we can help you find it um, if that's something that you'd be interested in spending some time with. Because um, we only pursue this thing if we recognize where we actually are in the beginning. We're going to talk more about that next week. Um, pray with me, would you? Jesus, we thank you for the chance to come and to gather. For what you're doing and for what is happening in us and in our church. And God, we ask that you would continue to do mighty things in each of us, for each of us, but also in the life of our body and our community. Lord Jesus. Make us aware of the state of our soul. Help us find our way towards transformation by being willing to be in deep relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.